I just think that if they do better in the playoffs, it'll be because it's matchup dependent. They're better equipped to play a matchup dependent style. Um, Kyrie's game translates a little bit better in the playoffs, and it'll come from that rather than guys just suddenly trying hard. I don't think Marcus Morris's problem is he's not trying hard enough. Or I don't think Jason Tatum's problem is he's just been coasting for two months. I think, generally speaking, um, shortening the rotations, uh, Brad making a little bit more quicker decisions in terms of like who to get on the floor and who not to get on the floor will mean a little bit more as opposed to just a just proverbial switch that everyone seems to be talking about lately. And I'm going to differentiate this a little bit from those Cavs days because in my mind, LeBron discernibly was coasting through the regular season. And you could see it on the defensive end. You know, there was all those goofy plays, even back then, that you're seeing with the Lakers now. And he coasted just a little bit too long this year where he's going to coast right into the summer. I don't see that in Irving. And this is all, of course, coming from Irving, who talked about this and wanting to get to the playoffs and everything else. Like He has been playing out of his mind this year. And I still don't get on him a lot for his vocal nonsense sometimes because he's playing so well on the court. And this didn't drive me crazy as much because he's still going out there and giving them the defense, the rebounding. I mean, he, he's scored as well as he ever has this year and from an efficient standpoint. My big difference here is that I don't know what next level he can reach. Obviously, he can play the whole game, which is what I'm sure he's going to do. Um, the, the, I think there's definitely a difference. I mean, with the Cavs, part of the issue, too, was they were just almost always banged up through the regular season. Uh, Ky- or Kevin Love missed kind of the stretch run a, a few of those seasons, and uh, they were just an older team. So they, they didn't have a whole lot to, to play for in the regular season, and they were confident that they could win a game on the road in any series. So it, it's different. I, I think if there's going to be a switch that's flipped, I think with Kyrie, you see him pass just a little bit less in, in the playoffs. He, he's going to be more decisive, uh, with the basketball, and, and I think this year he's done a good job of kind of rounding out his game and trying to get more guys involved. Maybe it's not at the the pure point guard levels uh, that some people would want, but really he's one of the most talented scorers in the league, and I don't know if you ever want him going full pure point guard. Um, I think if there's a switch that's going to be flipped, it's just kind of guys putting aside maybe some of their more petty grievances um, I, I don't think that this is necessarily a locker room that loves each other. At least that's not the, the vibe I get from the outside. Um, but I, I don't think they actively hate each other or anything like that. I, I think this is just kind of the frustrations that come with trying to figure things out and, and the pressure of expectations. So I think you see guys a little more willing to, to sacrifice when it comes to the playoffs and, and everything just gets a little bit simpler. So I think that the, the switch is more of a mental one if there is, in fact, a, a switch that's going to be flipped. Yeah, I, I see a gap there between the veterans and the young guys, though. And it, it, I think you saw on a night like tonight that gap that does exist there on this team. And I, th- I think it is the defining issue. These young guys are trying to find their space. They're trying to find their roles on the ball. And I thought Tatum, Brown were phenomenal tonight. They had the space to operate. And we talk so often about how the Celtics look without Kyrie and you saw it tonight it's different it's certainly not better all the analytics show that it isn't better things just look a little more loose and you know i think the veteran guys morris irving horford those guys they're getting ready to turn up that mental intensity come playoff time and we've seen that with horford before 
But these mm-hmm. young guys, you know, I don't know if that's going to be possible for them, especially if, you like you said, Irving's going to be on the ball a lot more, passing less. Like, that's the problem I still see being evident in the playoffs, even if these young guys turn it up. I think I think you hit a really interesting point in terms of trying to evaluate the Celtics with versus without Kyrie. Because there's, there's obviously a lot of talk where whenever they win a game against some, some lowly team, it's, oh, are they better without Kyrie or not better Kyrie? What are they, 10-3 now? <laughs> I think. Yeah. And it's like the numbers get to a point where I think it's safe to say that the team is still good with Kyrie. Guys move more freely because there's, you know, anywhere between 20 to 25 extra shots to go around. But the ceiling isn't as high when... Kyrie isn't on the court and when that matters is more so in the playoffs than the regular season I think the playoffs will just be a little interesting because we don't really know how Jason Tatum for example will react to this role because we saw him last year as basically like the number one option they were they basically ran plays for him every every time down the floor in half court sets so how he reacts to playing off ball mostly and being on the side. Um, are they going to, how, what are they going to do with Gordon Hayward? Who is kind of like quietly starting to get his aggressiveness back. He's, yeah, he had a nice he's starting, tonight. He's starting to kind of like find himself be a little bit more confident. On I him. think the Tatum thing's interesting there because tonight was really an intriguing game from him and he has stunk so much from three point range. I still think he's finding issues with, where he's going to get his points every single night. The ball time's inconsistent. The three-point shot's been inconsistent. And then he, like many, don't get to the free throw line all that much on this team. So tonight, he just comes out on the ball. He's taking command. He's killing in the first half. I think I saw he had about 21 points in the first half. And then he comes out in the second half and has two shots for the most important stretch of that second half it was very strange and it had me thinking i know keith was going off in the slack it had me thinking a lot about game seven justin and i'm sure you remember it well he's killing Mm -hmm. it he's dunking on lebron and then the ball just ends up out of his hands down the stretch and the celtics play this like egalitarian offense where everybody's getting shots the ball just goes to the open man smart's taking a lot of threes because he's always open and then the ball just ends up out of a guy's hands like Tatum. Yeah, and, and again, I, I really do appreciate you guys giving us that game last year. Um, we, we had no, <laughs> it brought no back business winning being that. on that floor. <laughs> that, that was truly the, the one game that I was like really, really felt that that was just a donation to the cause. So uh, I appreciate you uh, making sure that I, I didn't get an early start to my summer. <laughs> Do you think the Celtics need to get away from that a little more often? Do you think it's possible that they can get the ball in the hands of a hot hand more often when that's going their way? Yeah, and I mean, I don't really see a situation in the playoffs. Like, do you honestly see a situation in the playoffs where Kyrie Irving is passing up the ball and standing in a corner for Jason Tatum, like at all, any time? I think that it's going to be a lot of Kyrie and Al Horford pick and pop and guys working around them. I could actually see Gordon Hayward um, having more of an impact in the playoffs just simply because he's, he's a smart guy. He can handle the ball and like he can create for others in a way and he can kind of take more pressure off Kyrie. So it's like, I do think that they can, that they can kind of shed the egalitarian offense and kind of go to the hot hand. I just think that always, um, dilutes down to just their bread and butter. Like it's going to be Kyrie. It's going to be Al Horford and it's going to be those guys making plays. I don't really see 
I personally don't see a scenario where it's Jason Tatum scores like 14 points and a half and then Kyrie comes out and it's just like, here, take it, go ISO. Like, I don't, I don't see that at all. Wasted a lot of time. You end up sending Williamson driving in on Taco. Oh! And that's going to be the fall as the basket goes. How about that courage? Talk about attacking. Put this team on your shoulder. Big time delivery. How about those onions, Grant? This was a one-on-one in the end with two guys with four fouls. It wasn't a dunk on Taco, but it the message his, delivered. And it was his fifth. Tell you, this guy right here, all night when his team has needed him, he has stepped up and fall is in disbelief. Regular season is just going to race on to the finish. We'll see what happens in the lottery. Looks like Kings are going to be in there in the back end. Cavs are certainly going to be there. I know, Justin, you're excited about March Madness because you're going to get that pick. Barrett, Zion. I know you love R.J. Barrett. I got a chance to see him up here in Q's. Unfortunately, Zion was out for that game, but he just ripped us to shreds methodically, shooting, passing, all that, high post play, rebounding. He was a killer. And Mm -hmm. some people want to pull out the hot take. I I saw Paul Pierce (laughs) called Zion Williams one of the top 50 players in the league, (laughs) in the world today. Other other people are making the hot take is R.J. Barrett possibly a better fit for the NBA than Zion when it comes to the shooting and all those other things. I know you love him as a Canadian, but would you go that far? I wouldn't go that far. I think everyone is at least two tiers below Zion as a prospect. I do have concerns regarding Zion um, overall, but I I just don't think that there's anyone else uh, that you can look to in the draft that's more of a sure thing or has the, the same upside that he has. Um, I, I do like RJ. There, there's other guys that I like, but uh, I'm not getting my hopes up too much because uh, the, the, the reality is the, the most likely outcome for this uh, draft lottery is for the Cavs to to fall back and fall back far. So I'm uh, I'm fully bracing for the, the new lottery odds to put us in a poor position. So you think you're going to get Cam Reddish? <laughs> I don't think that uh, there's any chance that the Cavs would uh, draft Cam Reddish. Um, I I think that right now they are really prioritizing guys with a strong work ethic and there's just way too much of the the Wiggins like apathy with Reddish and I just don't think they'll go that direction personally I I'm hoping that uh, the draft stock of uh, Jared Culver uh, stays down because I, I probably have him over RJ right now as number two on my board although I still think Barrett ultimately has a little higher upside but uh if he's available there at five if the Cavs fall back to around there uh that that would certainly make my day Alex I was I was thinking tonight this is probably going to be the first draft since Terry Roger the Angels going to have to make a mid-round pick and those are so crucial we, we see what the Clippers are doing this year with uh Shai Gilgis Alexander he really helped them get off to a good start and they've propelled off of that and I, I think Justin Ro- Robinson was a good pick for them too but the Celtics cashed in on Terry Roger last time, and that was such a huge pick for Ainge because you know, he, he had been so questioned picking out of that range. Guys like Jared Sollinger, Fab Mello, it just been flop out of flop even years before that. And then you know the big picks come around. He nails Brown. He nails Tatum. Those ones are a little bit easier. Now it looks like they're going to be back at 14. I know you keep an eye on the draft board. Who, who are you liking as far as the mid-range guys go for the Cs? I'm thinking trade back. I don't I don't really I don't really love anyone from like 
I would say from about one to eight, nine-ish, I, I had people that I like. The dream would be for someone like Kobe White to fall back to 13, 14, but I think by the time people talk to him and he gets into workouts, that's a wrap. Um, Jonte Porter was one of those like mid guys I liked, but he just tore his ACL again. So he, and he already had, uh, um, out of shape issues and things like that. So that, that's a wash. So to me, I'm thinking like the Grant Williams, the Admiral score, uh, Schofields, maybe a Brandon Clark, like kind of those like older, older, older college guys, but guys who can add value to a playoff scene. Cause I don't think that the Celtics, regardless of Kyrie is there, or he leaves or whatever. I don't think they have space for projects. I don't think they have minutes for just like guys to just, Oh, like we need him to play 30 minutes. Like whatever happens, happens. They need guys who can at least like come in and be competitive and have like a set skill. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at like those, those kind of guys, like guys. So some like Brandon Clark or Grant Williams, especially because I really like those guys. Would you take a shot on Bowl Bowl? Ooh. I don't know if he's going to be available Ooh. by like 15. I, I think someone's going to take him before that. Yeah, I think I think someone swings just because like the like the size and the shooting, like that's just enough to entice somebody that like it's a, it's also just it's, such a shallow draft. Sorry to cut yeah. you off. No, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's interesting to me, and I, I did see him play earlier in the season against Q's and. He he's just the kind of guy who was you know tipping the ball up around around the net. He was so much bigger than any, everybody. He could hit the three, but I didn't love the look of the shot. I mean, he's really the like X factor of the draft to me because he's someone that's either gonna fall far, and then everyone starts asking you know, who's gonna pick him, who's gonna pick him, like Porter, uh, in some ways last year, who fell to probably around fourteen ish, didn't he? Right at the end of the lottery. Yeah. It's kind of not exact the same situation there. You know, a foot injury, back injury, both of those are scary. But one was just, you know, polish, clearly going to be number one, number two guy in the draft, and he fell way back. And now Bull, you know, he already had questions about, you know, is he all put together, and now you get a foot injury on top of that. I think it's possible that he could fall back there, and I, I did see some boards putting him in that position, so I definitely think it's interesting. He also has potential to be like a one-on-zero workout legend though so (laughs) (laughs) i i need to see him against a cherry if someone could put up a picnic chair i would really really enjoy that this draft yeah justin you hit the nail on the head this draft isn't anything to get excited about i think the ratings are going to be pretty low except you know once zion comes out It, it is weird that in a draft where it's just the most like hype prospect and recent memory that once he goes off the board maybe barrett goes off the board it's just going to be everybody tuning out snooze fest from there on i think the the lottery is going to be really really exciting though because it's just it's so weird with the new lottery odds anything can happen and more teams have a a good chance of jumping up than ever before especially with them picking for four spots now I mean, the Knicks have the worst record in the league, and they have a 48% chance of picking fifth. Um, like, it, it's a coin flip. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be really, really damn interesting. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that, especially with the Knicks, and that's just made me shake my head at them all year. They've gone so far in the tanking in the year where there really isn't a large incentive to be the worst of the worst, yet they've still gone ahead and done it. Now, do you want to explain that new lottery system that some people might not know it? 
Yeah, so basically um, the league flattened the lottery odds, and now instead of picking for the first three picks, they're picking for the first four picks. Um, so any of the, the three worst records in the league have identical odds of landing either one through four um, and have a 48% chance at falling to fifth or worse. So it basically makes it a coin flip. Um, the the I, I think the difference from like four to 10 is less than the difference from two to five used to be under the old system. I forget exactly what those numbers were, but it, it's a very, very dramatic uh, drop off uh, from what it used to be. Tanking is just, it's not a sure thing. And I guess the one benefit of it is um, you don't, as a team that's at the bottom of the lottery, uh, you, you don't have to worry too much about uh, the late season wins and, and falling back a certain spot because uh, I mean, people are still going to get really caught up about it and they, they want to have some control over the system. But I think the freaking out is just no, uh, a refusal to admit that it is pure luck at this point where you end up. Um, so it, it, it's going to be really interesting. And so I'm sure you're really just going to be holding on your pants that night, Justin. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be very terrified. I'm going to be sacrificing goats. I'm going to be doing whatever uh whatever needs to be done. <laughs> um yeah, it's it, it's scary. It, it's absolutely scary, but it um I, I guess the one benefit is when you're one of the three worst teams, it sucks, but um in, in the future if let's say they, the Cavs only have the eighth worst record uh next season, it means that you you have the possibility of adding someone that matters. So that's definitely exciting. I just love the fact that it's almost a sure thing that the Knicks are going to get screwed after what they've done this year. Offloading everything, they're so sure that they're going to get a hand in on Durant or Irving. I just can't wait for it to blow up in their face. I'll be rooting for you guys a little bit, definitely more than the Knicks. You know, I'm not rooting oh, for you, the Oh, you know, you know that the draft is going to go Lakers-Knicks. You, you know. <laughs> Ugh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, for the Knicks, it's like this is how it's gonna work out for them. It's gonna they're gonna get Kyrie and KD. I just think the Knicks way is they're gonna get them and they're still gonna implode. Some way oh, it's yeah. still gonna mess up. That's how it's gonna happen for them. And and they're gonna find a way to the, their pick will go to like three, and they're gonna find a way to convert that into Jimmy Butler somehow. And. Uh, <laughs> The, that's just going to be the grumpiest locker room in all time with Kyrie, Katie, and Jimmy. It's it's guys that along with uh, the New York media. Oh yeah, no that that that'll uh, that'll definitely be something. <laughs> Poor Alonzo Trier. Poor Alonzo Trier. <laughs> and DeAndre Jordan. I don't even know if he ends up back. There. He just looks so weird in a Knicks uniform to me. Justin writes over at Fear the Sword. You know, I'm not sure how many people have been reading the X's and O's of the Cavs this year, but there have been good prophetic <laughs> messages over there of what the Kyrie Irving experience is like. And it certainly played out with the flipping the switch coasting conversation. But at the same time, you guys have been telling us all year, Justin, that don't take it as a sure thing that Irving's sticking around. And that just snowballed and snowballed to the point where I don't think anybody has a clue at this point. I've reserved myself to the fact that I believe he's gone just with how disgruntled he seems and how this end of the year has panned out. If it just keeps going like this, I just don't see him returning. <sighs> so I, I guess it's a point of contention whether or not Boston was originally on his list. Um, I, I don't think that that's super relevant, but I, I just think last season didn't go 
the the way that he anticipated both from a health standpoint and then just also the the way that uh he's had to shoulder the blame as a lot of number ones do in the league um i i just think that it, it's been awkward obviously the hayward injury was big uh that that changed the ceiling of the team it, it cost uh boston a, a finals appearance and I just think that it hasn't been a smooth process for him. And he's someone that does change his mind uh, very easily. He is very close with Kevin Durant. And I think Kevin Durant to, to the Knicks has been about as sure of a thing for the last year and a half as LeBron to the Lakers was. Um, so I just think that it's it's a really, really complicated situation. I, I don't think it's anyone's fault. I, I think everybody's looking for an easy scapegoat. Uh, but I, I think Kyrie shares some blame. I, I think uh, the rest of the team hasn't stepped up in, in the way that Kyrie or they anticipated. Um, I think there's some pressure. I mean, Boston handled things way, 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 way better than LA did. Um, but honestly, like I, I think there is some toll that comes from knowing that a lot of the roster is in trade discussions and is on the table. Um, they they haven't been offered up or uh, put in the media the same way LA did. But I, I think it, it's tough that when you're trying to build chemistry, a lot of these guys know they aren't playing with Kyrie next year um, because either he went to the Knicks or they got traded for Anthony Davis. Playing with Kyrie is, seems like a very long shot for Jason Tatum next year, in my opinion. Um, so I think stuff like that has an impact on the locker room because at the end of the day, these are these are people. They're they're not just something that uh, assets that you, you can trade away. And that's uh, a tough side of the business. You guys are really buying into the next thing, Alex. I haven't been into that all year. It just makes sense. Like sometimes it's not it's not that hard. Like Kevin Durant's his best friend. Um, guys like to play with each other. It's. It's uh, go to Brooklyn, like, you know, please. You know, go to I mean, because like, I mean, like, you could go to Brooklyn, but that's just like a different version of Boston. Like, you're dealing again with like younger guys, different timelines. Mm-hmm. At least, at least with the Knicks, I will say, having that clean slate allows them to one, he can go play with his friends, and then they can just align the team of vets. Like, once you get those two guys, whether that's like trading the pick and getting AD or trading some other star, like, there's value to going to the Knicks. It's not, it's not like this crazy thing as much as like we'd like to believe so and there's been so much noise like there has been noise for a long time that he wanted to go to the Knicks, and there's been a lot of noise that durant wanted to go to the Knicks. and i'm still buying the conspiracy theory that nike has a lot to do with this i think nike played a huge role in getting durant to golden state to, to help undermine steph and under armor i think the lifetime deal that lebron signed for over a billion dollars played a role in getting him to the lakers um, I, 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 and I be think careful that, now, Justin, be careful. No. And, uh, <laughs> and I think, oh, I know Nike Illuminati might off me here, but, uh, I, I think they play a role in getting Durant to the Knicks. Like, I, I think that they want a star in that market and they want to build a, a star, a superstar team there and getting Kyrie and KD there is a priority for them. So, um, I, I, I think that there's a lot going on behind the scenes, especially when a lot of these guys, their, their primary employer isn't their NBA team. <laughs> Michael Avenatti was going to announce that before he got thrown in jail, but there's just a <laughs> He one. came at us with Aiden News. <laughs> Dude came at us with Aiden News. Oh, my 
God, everyone wants college players to get paid, and he's snitching about guys getting paid on the table. It's fantastic. I actually think he was going to say what you said, but, you know, he got thrown away. You had to do the job right there for us. <laughs> Celtics beat the Cavaliers tonight. We're talking to Justin Rowan. He's over at Field the Sword. Alex Kungu's with us. If you don't know by now, he's the new co-host here on Havlicek Stole the Pod. And... Justin, you've been podcasting this year, too, over at Fear the Sword. How how have you tried to make things interesting through a tanking year? I remember back in 13, 14, I wasn't so much trying to produce podcasts back in that day. How have you gotten by? Yeah, I, I mean, it's been interesting because we've made a switch to two a week this year from uh, one last year. I mean, we went to two for the playoffs. Um, but what we've kind of tried to do is on, on our Monday shows – uh, we, we tend to talk more about what's going on with the Cavs, updates on, on stuff like that, and, and interview people around the team. And then with our Wednesday shows, we're, we're trying to get kind of a more league-focused conversation going. We'll invite people that cover other teams. Alex was on uh, to start the season uh, as well. Um, and just talking about more league-focused teams, because I, I think an informed fan base is important and I, I think learning more about other teams and, and discussing things uh, from a national perspective even if it's kind of through wine and gold colored glasses uh, I, I think it, it does go a long way to towards providing a more entertain, entertaining and informative product yeah so go check that out over there Fear the Sword um, they're podcasting every single week we're podcasting over here on the Celtics Blog Podcast and we're pretty much coming out every week at this point. You can get us on Stitcher, iTunes. If Irving does leave, I'm reserved to it, Alex. I don't know where you're at, but where do you think the Celtics go in a world where Irving goes to the Knicks like we're imagining here? Oh, it'll be the roster that you just saw tonight against Cavaliers with maybe a couple of draft picks. You keeping Roger? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to. Like, as Unless, like, barring... Phoenix throwing like some huge contract at him, which I don't think they will, but it's possible. Barring that, you just keep him because he's he's an asset. Like you don't just let him go. So I could see I could see it just being a lot with the same team. Maybe Gordon Hayward is a little bit better now because he had a year to rehab. You're opening the offense more to Tatum and Brown, and you know we just go back to enjoying our 45, 50 win teams that don't go anywhere. So. I'm content. That'd be it. I'm, I'm content with it at this point. You know, I've, <laughs> I've I've admitted it. You know, I'm not getting mad about it anymore. I'm not fighting people about it. I just, I, I think the writing's on the wall there. And tonight, nights like tonight make me a little bit happier, just because I think it's really going to emphasize those young guys that are going to need a Tatum Brown. I, I just don't know what the next step becomes at that point, because I think Davis goes out the window certainly at that point because of how much they're going to need those young core pieces. And I don't know what's the next shoe to drop because this team's always looking for that superstar. They finally landed one in Irving. If he flips outside the door, I mean, we don't see this a lot where you do that short-term trade and then a guy walks out on the back end of it. But this is, like, why teams are hesitant, Justin, to do that. Like, Davis on his expiring deal himself, the hesitancy there without the long-term deal. Yo, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I, I just... Don't buy Danny Ainge being that complacent. Like, I think there'd be more shakeups to come. I definitely think you're building around Jason Tatum at that point. Um, hold on for that sign and trade. That's what I'd really be holding out for. Like a Chris Paul <laughs> style one. Um, it, I, it's, I mean, what do you really want from the Knicks, though? Is it just picks and future assets? 
Um, obviously, they, they'd have a bit of a situation on their hands uh, because uh, Al Horford does kind of have a player option. Um, so how that situation unfolds would be really interesting. But I, I do think Boston would still be in good shape because you, you guys still have good young pieces. You have good assets. You have good a stable front office. You have a good coach, and those type of teams typically do well. Obviously, there would be a drop-off without Kyrie. Um, it, it really would be weird to see an East next year where <laughs> Kyrie and KD are on the Knicks and uh, Ka- Kawhi's out of Toronto and Kyrie's off Boston and just to see kind of the shift in power. And who um, knows where Davis ends up? Yeah, good good point. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not Philly because this they, player be this player movement's gotten really wacky. It really has. Yeah, I think some of that levels out after KD leaves uh, because I think some of the player movement and and the stacking of three four all stars has been a product of Golden State because you kind of have to go to extreme measures to even sniff being a contender. I think once the power is more evenly distributed. Uh, you see egos kind of kick in a little bit more where guys are like, hey, I can win on a one star or a two star team that's built really well around me. I don't need to go kind of humble myself and, and give up some of the attention and MVP consideration and all that stuff to 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 win. Um, so, it, I mean, if K- KD and Kyrie are on their own team or even if just KD leaves, how many more teams do you think have a legitimate shot at a title this year? Like, I think it goes from like one to maybe six, seven. That's good. Um, I, I think it would be good. And I, I think that how players behave would be impacted by that. And certainly the Celtics, well, there's a conversation for another day, but I think the Celtics are in better position to play the way Brad wants them to play once that comes. So, you know, that's a hot take I'll save for the next episode here. <laughs> we'll tease ready ready one. for scrappy ball again. <laughs> I'm ready. This year has killed me to the core. Remember how much I used to complain about the way the Cavs play? Got so excited watching the Celtics play every night. You warned me. You're, you're only as stable as your best player is. The Spurs uh, learned that with Kawhi and... It's the same case everywhere else. I look forward to a 4-5 matchup after R.J. Barrett slides alongside Colin Sexton, Jetty Osman, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. So uh, hopefully we can revisit that next year. Are you mad Irving refuses to visit Cleveland? I got to ask you before you go. Um, I'm more curious about whether or not he believes he actually played in Cleveland. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's a little bit disappointing. But I, I mean... It's there's a lot of things that are disappointing about that time. That's not super high on my list. I don't really care uh, about how he feels about Cleveland because um, I at the end of the day, I understand that these guys are just kind of mercenaries that are playing with laundry on. So um, it it doesn't take away from the whole experience. Now, if you said something about Winnipeg, that would be a different story. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I came on this expecting to talk Jets Bruins, but uh, okay. It, yeah, you that, threw me a little bit of a curveball with Cavs, but that, that's fine. <laughs> no LeBron here. That was the ground rule coming in. So, Alex, uh, Celtics Pacers on Friday, playoff preview by all means. What are you looking for? Effort. There we go. <laughs> and there's the story of the Celtics Vlog <laughs> podcast in 2018-19. Justin, it was good to let you in the door. I know you've been knocking. We always enjoy talking to you here, and uh, we'll talk to you at lottery time. Sounds good. Appreciate it. I'm Bobby Manning, and we will see you next week.